Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp, cricket fan, and together with my co-host Mark Wood, actual cricket man, we invite you to listen to Middle Please Umpire, a new cricket podcast containing the two of us banging on and sounding off together about cricket and quite possibly all manner of other things, while lifting the lid on Mark's life as an international cricketer. And as if that wasn't enough, we shall be welcoming some great guests along the way and chatting to them about life on and off the playing field as they spill the beans, drop some truth bombs and see if they can withstand the scrutiny of our brutal interrogations. Middle Please Umpire is available right now from all your favourite podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Nutter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. I'm in a good mood. You're in a good mood, Dave? Yeah. Why? Is that because Newcastle aren't playing this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because we, we played well. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but yeah, it's, it's nice to come onto a pod with a bit of positivity. Right. Won the yeah, game. Oh, I'm excited that you're positive. And why are you in a good mood? Just because of that? Or is there something else that's happened? Ah, oh, just... Christmas, we've got a Christmas tree up. And, you know, it's good yeah. I look from the outside, I look at your life and it's just like, how could he be in a good mood? But okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, fair play. It's good. That's no, good. it's because I, I, I take pleasure from the, the, the loving relationship I have with my son, which I guess that you don't, you don't understand that because you hate your son. So Fergus loves your son as much as you, Dave. That's yeah. you have to accept that. Sure, <laughs> sure. I don't have a good relationship with my son, but you know, that's because I sent him to boarding school at five months, <laughs> <laughs> and he'll thank you for it. He'll thank me for it once he can learn. Once they teach him how to write a fucking letter, um, right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we should probably be starting this podcast with a serious and sombre tone. But, um, Shall I get the gong? Yeah, do so. Because um, this uh, Friday night, we've got another Friday night fixture we did have coming up against Villa. And if you haven't heard, 
the match has been postponed because there's been a COVID outbreak at uh, Newcastle United. Now, obviously, as far as we know, nobody's very sick or anything, but obviously we wish everyone well and we hope that that's all okay. But it seems like there's quite a few players down with it. Mm. Um, Anthony Gerrard says, this is on Twitter, one of our Nikos Anata followers has tweeted us to say, who in the squad is patient zero? Any thoughts on that? Well, missing from the Let's Palace just throw out game, some wild accusations. Missing from the Palace game, presumably through COVID, were Isaac Hayden and Emil Kraft. Kraft had been away on international duty, and there's a bit of speculation that it came through there. But I think, I don't think it's going to serve us too well to sort of go through who's got it unless we've got pitchforks ready. I so reckon I'm going to string them up. I'm going to throw a name out there. I reckon it's Henri, Henri Saive. <laughs> 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 I reckon it's... Trying to get his way into the first team. It's his only contribution to the club in three years or whatever. Henri Saive has uh, brought down the Premier League. That's my I mean, if you were a squad player looking to get in, you would probably be... You'd be tempted to lick a few railings and then go around the training. <laughs> but then you'd have it. I mean, the, the best good thing point. That's, take, that's the fatal <laughs> flaw in your This is plan. why I'm not much of a planner. What you'd be doing is taking swabs and, uh, from surfaces around town. And, but, I mean, we'd, I don't want to give um, Henri Saiver any ideas. He, he isn't registered <laughs> anyway. Um, but, as we say, we wish everyone well. And, uh, you know... The right decision, it would seem. I'm glad there wasn't much fuss about it. They just got on with it. I did wonder, because it I was mean, up it... in the air for a few days, and you sort of thought, with all the narrative at the minute of the Premier League being against Newcastle, I wonder if that came into their thinking of, like, we can't we can't punish them for a COVID outbreak if they're already taking legal action against us, or arbitration, or whatever the club's doing. I suppose that's possible, but I would have thought it's just the Premier League does not want a, a, an outbreak to spread beyond yeah. Newcastle United. We couldn't guarantee the safety of our players or Villa's players. Yeah, if mean, not, not spreading through the league, then they're really in trouble. I think they can afford to postpone a Friday night game, game between um, Villa and Newcastle. It doesn't come as any great shock to me that we're the club that's, that's you know, the first one with a proper outbreak, um, which led to a postponement. Because, I mean, even in the, the cup game, um, there was, um, you know, the other Premier League clubs who faced non-league or lower league opposition had paid for them to have, like, COVID tests and paid for them to make sure everything was COVID clear. And we didn't. We didn't do that. So I, I'm not surprised that. Okay, that I've just listened. I've just listened to a bit of the athletic guys, mm. and apparently there was who are basically the same podcast as us, but with people who know more and with better um, sound equipment. But um, uh, better than an iPhone. Yeah. Well, mm. they were saying that apparently Newcastle United have led the way in terms of COVID 
safe. I think in the beginning, we were one of the sort of early adopters. We were of, sort of, of the sort of practice. safety measures, yeah. So, you know. But well, Dave's still right. Well, no, I think we still, we didn't join in with the testing of lower league clubs, which sort of felt a bit of an odd risk for such a small amount. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, let's talk about, seeing as we don't have a Friday night game, game to talk about coming up, let's talk about the Friday night game that's been and gone. Uh, a victory, three points against Crystal Palace away. Uh, Dave, thoughts on the game? Really impressive. I think the thing I took away from it was the like the, the intensity at which we played, which I haven't seen. I think that was the most intense we've played in in a, in a league game, um, and that's borne out by boring statistics. But um, yeah, we were we were up for the game. You could see it in the players. You could see like uh, the the pressing intensity from players like Joe Linton, um, and it's just across the board. Everybody just looked a little bit more up for it, a bit more, bit more intense. I couldn't think of a synonym. But um, it was really nice to see Joe Linton have what I would say is his best game for us so far. Like, cup game aside, but like, yeah, I, th- I thought he was, he was a pest and he was picking, like, taking up good positions. He was linking up well with, um, with, with Wilson. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a all round the team played well, but Joe Linton was, yeah, he was really, really good. I'm really his, pleased to hear you say that, Dave. I was getting a sense from WhatsApp that maybe you were going to be a bit more negative, but that's, that's, that's nice. 4-4-2. We went with 4-4-2, Paul. Madness. Uh, I like this new formation. Where's, yes, where's I don't know where he's got it from. I think it's from like the, the Chilean leagues. You've seen it happen. <laughs> sure. It's sort of a, it's a reverse Christmas tree. I'd like to yeah, but um, Paul, uh, I don't know if it'll continue to do so, but Wilson and Joe Linton together worked quite well, didn't it? Yeah, we've done it certainly three at times. the end, we've been making it goals for each other. But go on, Paul. Yeah, we've done it three times this season, it worked twice. I think the problem was it worked first game of the season against West Ham, and then we took that into the Brighton game where we were outplayed by Brighton. I don't know if that has as much to do with formation as we maybe thought at the time. But I think Bruce seems to be quite common this season. Almost second-guessed, like, well, maybe we need to stop trying that formation rather than... You sort of think you've had pre-season preparing for this, set up in your first game 4-4-2, and then after a defeat in the second game, just completely abandon that. There's no... I think... It's clearly how he wants to play. So I think there might have been a recognition before this game. Like if he's going to fail, he might as well fail on his own terms, which is probably more likely to be why we played 4-4-2. But I think yeah. it's, it's clearly got the best out of Joel Linton. He was in the... It was, it was Carroll in the first game against yeah. West Ham, wasn't it? I'm not sure yeah. I'm seeing Joel Linton play. No, it's well. Carroll and Wilson. But I think as well, Joel Linton was in the, the who scored Premier League team of the week. So he was sort of he was statistically good as well as just he wasn't that well I was a bit worried for him because the game. say that again 
I thought there were times in the game where he wasn't that impressive to watch. There were a few chances where Wilson laid on chances for him and he wished it was the other way around. But he was mm. he was busy all the time. I was I felt a bit worried for him watching the game before the end because yes, it seemed like Sod's law that Wilson seemed to be the one that was ending up wide and Joe Linton was getting the chances and he was not taking them. Sometimes with dreadful shots, sometimes with shots that just weren't quite good enough. Mm. And it, in a sense, it, I thought, I, I feared that he was doomed to forever be a player who you can sort of see, you can see that there's talent in there and he's obviously an athlete and there's, there's like, he does have ability, but it's just, you worry that it's never going to work for him. And I'm not saying that he's now, everything's rosy and he's turned around, but at least he has had the opportunity to show us in the Premier League that he can like have a proper impact on the game. Yeah. I think one, one thing that you, you've mentioned there was that all the chances seem to be fallen for Joe Linton rather than the other way around. And part of that is because he isn't a threat. So the opposition don't, <laughs> Don't don't yeah, like yeah. track his moves as much, so that, that's why Wilson had to go wide. Um, but that's fine because if they're giving him a little bit more space and they're not putting him under as much pressure, he's more likely to be able to produce the kind of um, interplay with Wilson that we saw for the for the um, the opening the opening goal, which was. Um, Good physical strength, decent touch, good awareness to put the ball through for Wilson. Um, I think, depending on the opposition, I think this is a system and a, and a formation and a style that we can we can certainly use because it was it was effective against West Ham, it was effective against um, Burnley, and it's effective against Crystal Palace. So teams who perhaps don't press as much as Southampton, mm. Brighton. And, that, and teams like that, we can play that style. Well, I've noticed that, if you think about it, our four victories in the Premier League this season have been against Roy Hodgson, uh, David Moyes, Sean, Sean Dyke, and Ancelotti, all sort of older managers playing and three of them British, playing a particular style of football that probably matches up well with Steve Bruce's style of football. They're from a similar school. Mm. That school being Bass Street Kids. I don't know. I, don't know where I think as well, though, the thing, the thing with those games is they're, a lot of those are the games we've traditionally struggled to impose ourselves on. But it's teams right. also yeah, yeah. like to have the ball. That's where we've never really had a plan at least it seems True. like for that type of game now we might have a different way i mean the other thing is it was a very even game the fact the yeah we've been we've been pretty positive so far i thought we we had the upper hand in the first sort of 25 minutes and it was weird to see us getting dominating the well i don't know about dominating but having most the majority of the possession mm-hmm. for quite a while at the beginning mm-hmm. of the game but after that, Palace did have some quite long periods where they were threatening us and it was getting really edgy towards the end. And until the last 10 minutes, it was looking like if anyone was going to win it, Palace were. I mean, it tells you a lot that there was a thingy, Eze or Easy was given man mm. of the match by the commentary yeah. before the final two got, which 
it's a, a big bugbear of mine. I think I was saying on the WhatsApp group, like why give man of the match performances before the full time whistle? My assumption not is like there's something that, that needs to be engraved. I think it's <laughs> yeah. I think the assumption is that everyone that they know from their stats that like ninety percent of the audience turns off at the final whistle. I'm, mm. I'm Maybe that's because that. they already know who's man of the match. Maybe they need right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is a bit weird. I went I once went to um <laughs> just reminds me of a man of the match story. I once went to what Braintree Town because I like that's where I spent my adolescence in Braintree Town. Now and I went back to and, and saw a game. And the people I was with, I was with my mate and his dad and his mates, and they had like sponsored the match, so they got to pick the um the the man of the match. And Braintree lost five nil or maybe six nil. And a guy on the other team got a hat trick. So they gave that guy the man of the match. And the manager went fucking mental at them afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> like, because they were the sponsors, they get to like have a chat with the manager after the game. And he was livid with them for giving the man of the match to an opposing player. <laughs> they were like, and they came back into the bar going, I've just got told off by a manager. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I got beat five nil. I always find man of the match stuff in in, in the ground weird anyway, because like you say, it's uh, it's like the sponsors, you know, award the man of the match in the stadium. And there was it was the game against Tottenham where um, Robert scored twice and set up two goals for for Alan Shearer. But of course, like the sponsors just wanted to meet Alan Shearer, so they just gave Alan Shearer, Shearer the, the the man of the match award. I was in the crowd, just going like, "What? What? How can they? What?" Like, Holding up a sheet of stats. <laughs> yeah. look, look at this! Look at this! <laughs> you think that extends to of... outside the team? So if you just want to meet, like, if I wanted to meet Nigella Lawson, I could just name her man of the match, and <laughs> she'd have to. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it's an option. Go on, Dave. It's, that was just funny because because you mentioned like giving Eze the um, the man of the match. Just looking at the who scored stats, and they're you know they're they're um, they're objective. They're not they don't care. Um, he only got like a he he was not the best player on the on the Crystal Palace team, let alone on the new on the you know in the game. Like um, MacArthur had a better game. Mm. Stats, I, this, this is I have a heavy bias towards palindromes, which is probably why. Right, yeah. <laughs> Can um, you think of another footballer with palindromic footballer? Oh God! Don't just throw that out there. Now. Big question. Uh, isn't, oh, isn't there one called? No, that's not a palindrome. Abba? Were Abba a footballer? No. Yeah. John Hanna. <laughs> there must be a Hannah, surely. There must be. But, you know, come on. Shay Ojo. There is an Ojo, isn't there? OJO. Okay, right. Shay Ojo was here at Liverpool. Right, cool. I'm yeah. so glad we did that. So, um, <laughs> it's all I'm going to be thinking about for the rest of this pod. So, we might as well, might as well end it now. Uh, so, um, 
Uh, what else do we have to say about that game before we go? I, I just want to, I might as well, just as my usual an, annoyance, talk about the fact that within 30 seconds of the game ending, everyone on social media was angry again. It really pissed me off and then made me angry. Don't look on social media. The I know, I shouldn't go on it. It's just, it's just you know. Every time I go on there, Dave's shouting at Barry Glendenning or something. <laughs> <laughs> he is a prick, though, to be fair. I like him. I like him. I ain't got, I ain't got, I ain't got a problem with him. But, um, yeah, I'm, you know. Uh, One thing to mention was um, Fernandez's uh, block. That, that's, oh, yeah. That was outstanding piece of defending. Yeah. Very, I think on the defensive good. front as well, I don't think we missed Lascelles. I do like having Kieran Clark alongside mm. Fernandez more than having Lascelles back there. I'm told that, I don't know where I heard it, that Steve Bruce is a fan of Kieran Clark and sees, I don't know, and sees himself in Kieran Clark. Yeah, that that's harsh on Kieran Clark. Oh, Steve Bruce was a, um, I wonder about the looks, come on. Oh, no. I think more as a player. You know, Stephen Bruce. Yeah. Steve Bruce was a Premier League winning captain. Um, but uh, or, um, just a bit of negativity. Jeff Hendrick had yet another game where he didn't do anything that I could like. I, like yeah. anecdotally, I couldn't see him. Well, I, I completely agree with you, and I, I, I cannot find a, um, a sort of tangible way uh, a defense for jeff hendrick the footballer but all i can think of is that i mean he has made a couple of hundred premier league appearances i think he, he, i know only ireland but he's made a, a number of international appearances he does seem to be a player that multiple managers see something in mm. he must just be one of them players who just does something that is impossible to see on the pitch or in the stats. I do, there's just something he's doing that none mm. of us can see. You get them players that multiple managers pick. There's just something mm. about them that they like. He feels like yeah. a handy squad player as well. He can play anywhere across the middle. Well, that's know. what I, I assume we bought him for. But yeah. like the fact that he must be one of our most regular starters this season. But you'd think with the with the midfielders that we've got, like the two long staffs, uh, Shelby Hayden, and I mean at the time we had um, Barlazer or something like that. Like th- these are all who can do a job in, in midfield. I, I don't see what he's adding, I mean, and his inclusion excludes one of the long staffs, if not both of them. And yeah, I just I don't see the the bent. I'd much rather have someone with a bit like, of pace. Because I know you always throw. Because I always just assume that he's doing a sort of defensive job that I'm not really noticing. And I know you always throw out that like you can see that he hasn't made a tackle or whatever in the stats. Or whatever. Mm. But is it that he's just like covering Busy. players? He's he's he was on the right wing against Palace. I think the the tackling stats are a harsh thing to judge him on. But I think he scored and got an assist. This season, albeit I think both were in his first game, weren't they? They were both against West Ham. Yeah, kind of dropped off it. since then, but I think he's just—he's yeah. a useful player. I think he's sort of harshly judged 
because he's he's not a particularly exciting signing. But I think if you look results-wise, he's not that different to either of the... Well, definitely to Matty Longstaff. Would we be more into him if his name was like Pepe Matas, Garcia no, yes. Fernandez? I, I would. <laughs> Jeff I, I, I want Pepe Matas now. If you were to tell me that if I'd never heard of Jeff Hendrick and you were to tell me that we'd signed a player called Jeff Hendrick, I would say that his performances so far have been ex- exactly what I would have expected from a man called Jeff Hendrick. Yeah. <laughs> but the hairstyle is not at all. Acceptable. I think he looks like a backpacker, like a one. Yeah. You know, if you've ever been in a hostel in a sort of South American country or something like that, he looks like the guy in the hostel who, who's, you know, just been backpacking for three years. It's just, sort of lives in the hostel yeah. it's just he's just shit at football that's all okay fine yeah sure. <laughs> well. he's, he's okay Let's, I think the I think he gets judged more harshly than others for being Jeff Hendrick he's fine I wouldn't choose him in a starting 11 but he's yeah he's I think that's that's where I'm at like like I, if I see him on the um, on the, the team sheet I don't pull my hair out I see the team sheet. I think, why the hell is Pepe Matas not starting? <laughs> <laughs> What's the kid got to do? It sounds good, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Why we need to sign this guy? Guaranteed to be a left-footed player. <sighs> He'd have his socks down low as well. Oh, yeah. And a weird combo of short sleeves and gloves. Okay. Um, should we have a break? Yeah. Yeah, let's have a break. I think we're pretty much done with the Palace game. And uh, after the break, we can chat about... Um, we can go get take some of your uh, Twitter questions. And I think we've got some news on Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> For everyone who gets news from us ahead of the BBC. This is... We're yeah, apparently, I'm... Random results. I'm not up to date on it, but uh, you guys are. So you're going to up to date me, update me and the listeners on what's going on with Brexit and how that affects uh, football. All right, we'll see you after the break. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Uh, hello, welcome back. Good break, guys. Very nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Chill, right low-key. Am I right in saying we've all urinated? Oh, yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. Then and I'm for a chance to win... 
the combined urination of us. Here's a competition. <laughs> Name a palindromic footballer. Oh. No. no I, was Goog- I was Googling that in the break, and Ugo Ehiog is so close to being a palindrome. It's almost upsetting. You got me thinking again now. This, well, if Google hasn't got them, well, we're not going to. Next. Hey, guys, this goes for all you Newcastle Natter fans out there. Tweet us with your palindromic footballers and we will ignore it. Um, <laughs> no, we'll probably read them out in the future. Uh, so, Brexit. We don't talk about Brexit enough on this podcast. Um, as I understand it, because we're uh, leaving, we've already left, things are about to change again in 2021, and that's going to affect us in some way. Dave, how? Um, it's going to make buying footballers from the continent or from abroad much more difficult. You're only allowed to buy, think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like I think you're allowed to buy like six foreign players or have six foreign players in your squad, except for the ones that are already in the squad. So it's a bit confusing. I think it might um, even be three per window or six per season, something like that. Yeah. And it's also like you're not allowed to buy um, foreign players under the age of 18. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why that, that's the cutoff, but like essentially they're, they're trying to, to stymie the flow. We've lost Dave Watson. Dave's frozen. I think if I'll, I can carry on the thought there. I think it's basically bringing the laws towards European or EU players the same as they are to overseas players. So the days of signing young foreign players who haven't got any caps is pretty much Mm. over. So players like Perez, who we got from the lower leagues in Spain, that wouldn't be possible now. But if you've got a sort of, I think they're still weighting it in favour of European clubs and whether they've got under 21 caps and things like that. So you can still, you'll still be able to sign decent younger European players, but it'll be like trying to sign non-European foreign players where it'll come down to, it could come down to a sort of arbitration thing where a panel decides Mm. whether they think you should. So basically, think, it's because we don't have the automatic right to work and freedom of movement within Europe, players will now have to get work permits. Pretty um, much, yeah. That will be dependent on how they can prove how valuable they are. And you'll have your precious sovereignty back, to Fergus. Well, you know, that's what we voted for. Um, so, I mean, I'm... I've already come up against this because I've been playing Football Manager 2021. Uh, and yeah. I don't know if the rules are exactly the same, but they are there. And I bought an Ital- a young Italian who looks really good. I bought him and can't get a work permit for him. And he's refusing to go out on loan. So I'm sat there <laughs> with this £17 million signing, four-star player, Refusing to go out on loan. So he's obviously not getting picked for the Italian side, so he's not going to get that work permit. Five-year deal. 
If you've already ruined his own life, that matter though. He's on seventy-five grand a week. What do you want? What, what's that, Paul? I said, if you've already signed him, does that matter? You've got him in. If he can't play, why not? Because he's, he can't. He's, so he's at the work, club. But how have you got him then? I don't know. I bought him, but he hasn't got a work <laughs> permit. So I don't know. Maybe he's sat in his apartment in Italy. I don't that know. Should, that should have been cancelled. Told he's been training badly, and I'm not surprised considering he's like guaranteed <laughs> not to play ever again. I didn't realize that was Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I signed a, I signed similarly, I signed a, I think it's Bulgarian or something, some young kid couldn't get a work permit. And, but fortunately, he was quite keen to go out on loan. So he's applying no, his trade like, in Italy. He's like, I've just joined the club, I'm not going out on loan. He's not Where making any complaints about like why am I not playing? He's just like no. <laughs> I think I think my Bulgarian kid's gone to the Italian club that you bought your Italian Probably. from. He's playing there, yeah. Probably that's, that's a major <laughs> error. But I mean, those are the sort of errors. Um, I mean, maybe this is why football's actually Newcastle. This might Carry be what actually gravitating back to four four two being the system that works. Maybe football's just going back in time a bit. I'm going to sign oh, Palmer. Dave, you've paused again. Jesus. Right. This Let's better be for dramatic to... effect. Yeah. My worry with this system is how... Like, we've signed some terrible established foreign players, but every time we go really under the radar for a foreign player, it feels like it kind of works out. I'm basing that on Iosi Perez and Nobby Solano. But I kind of think the future sort of the Pepe Matas style under the radar signings, what's going to happen to them? I think we've had quite a few under the radar signings. But we won't be able to. Mind you, Solano wasn't European and that was still... I think we've had quite a few who've gone awfully, equally. Have we though? Riviere. He was pretty under the radar, wasn't he? Well, he was still at Monaco, an established player. Okay. I'm talking like the really uh, under the radar ones. Well, most of them so under the radar that we've never heard of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we stop for a moment because Dave has Dave is coming oh, he's back, back into the room now. Dave Watson is back. He's connected to audio. We can see him on video. And we are back in the room. Okay, let's go to Twitter. Uh, Bedford Mag, long-time listener, not first-time caller, says, um, I mean, the question that we asked was, um, is everything fine now after the Palace for win? Sarcastically, I think. Thoughts on this crazy new 4-4-2 formation? That was the question we asked. Bedford Mag said, I mean, what's the point? Callum Wilson is a baller, just what we need. Hendrick is absolute tosh, stealing a living. I read that in the last game he had attempted one tackle. I'm fat and lazy and I could attempt more. Bruce is an arsehole as well. We're just lucky and shite. All right, Bedford. I feel, I feel like there's, there's this thing with Newcastle fans of late where, I don't know, I know I'll go on about this. 
but like it's it's the sort of culmination of the Mike Ashley era, which hopefully won't go on forever. But it's like it's now for a lot of us, we feel like we have to argue the case that we're shit. Mm. And so there's a confirmation bias. There's a there's a thing where we can stubbornly not accept, and I know he's just positively said something nice about Callum Wilson, but we can stub stubbornly not accept any good performances and um and it feels like it, a lot of Newcastle fans feel like it's their duty to persuade people that we're actually even shitter than we are well i think every bad performance well, becomes proof of how bad we are and every good performance gets treated like an anomaly i think i think the answer to bedford mag's email is in the first line like what's the point callum wilson is a baller just what we need that to me is the point this season. When's the last time we had a striker that scores goals? I mean, I, there's going to be fans when fans are allowed back in coming away from St. James's thinking, I wish we had that Callum Wilson. Think what we could do with him. We've got one of the best strikers in the league, I would say. Sure. And there will be, and I will completely accept that that, 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 that in of itself can be a source of frustration to say mm. like, We've got, we've finally got a proper striker and we're not playing the right system or we don't have the right manager. We're not, we're not using him as well as we could. And I completely understand that. So I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that we can't complain. I just, anyway, Dave. I think, I think one of the, one of the things that. Sorry, I, I may I just say, I'm di- I, as usual, I'm directing my annoyances at one person it's usually Dave Watson and now I'm doing it with Bedford Mag I don't I'm I'm acting like you're saying all this Bedford Mag you're not I'm just talking about the general negativity as I always bang on about Dave I think I think the, the negativity will will go away if we can add more Burnley West Ham uh, Crystal Palace performances, let alone results, just those performances. If we can have more of them, the negativity will, will drift away. Uh, I think if we keep seeing performances like Southampton, Brighton, uh, and so on, then the negativity is going to stick around. Because I think I said a, a, a while back, like all of fans can forgive a bad result much, much quicker than they can forgive a bad performance. Because a performance is more about like it, it's reflective of, sort of like something bigger, a bigger picture view, whereas a result in and of itself can be an aberration. But like uh, performances are indicative of of the the longer term things, like a player's quality, a side's quality, a system's fit for purpose, uh, a strategy, a, a formation, all this kind of thing. That's longer term. So bad performances, if they keep coming, people are going to be negative. If if we go on a run, and I think we've got an opportunity to, if we get through the COVID postponements, if we go on a run of like three or four games where we put in good performances, win, lose or draw, fans will start turning. But at the minute, the, the confirmation bias that you speak of, it is being confirmed <laughs> Because we have been. I may, I may be wrong, but I, I may be wrong, but I think that for a lot of fans, that that negativity is so embedded now that it would take 
take a takeover to get rid of it all. The performances, mm. I think it would be, I think, I, I by no means think this will happen, but I think we could finish sixth and win the Carabao Cup and there would still be a significant minority of Newcastle fans. Like, livid with Steve Bruce. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we get you talked mentioned that I was, I was talking... A... Sorry, Dave, carry on. No, I was just going to say that I was speaking to a mate of mine who's a Crystal Palace fan and the th- and I, I, I was asking about like, how do you think you know Roy Hodgson's performing? How do you think Crystal Palace are performing? And the number of things that he said were wrong with his club chanked perfectly with, with what I think is wrong with, with Newcastle. Like the owners don't put in enough money and there isn't a long-term strategy. Hodgson is a dinosaur and plays old-fashioned football and doesn't get them pressing enough and and, and creative enough. Uh, they're over-reliant on one player doing something spectacular, um, uh, et cetera, et cetera. All these things that we've said about Newcastle, he was saying about Crystal Palace. So it does put into perspective that our problems are, you know, reflected over, uh, across two or three clubs in the league who are going to end up probably between 13th and 16th. I think, I think it's actually, it is actually a symptom of, I mean, it's, I'm obviously far more aware of it because of new, because I don't follow many fans of other clubs. I don't witness the chatter of other clubs. I'm obviously far more aware of how Newcastle fans feel. And we've got the whole Mike Ashley era and we've got the whole takeover thing and we've got the particular passion of Newcastle fans, which I would say is larger than the fan base of most other clubs. The obsessiveness of the core Newcastle fan base. But it is a symptom of like Premier League football at the moment that there are a number of clubs who it just becomes sort of like an existential thing of like, well, what is football? Do you mean what are we? Mm. Where is the joy? What you know? Because we know we know that we're not going to compete for Europe, and we know that we're probably not going to get relegated. And it's just just like, well, what is football? <laughs> You know, but I think under those circumstances, sorry, go on, Paul. Under those circumstances, the best you can hope for is safety and a good go in the cups, which is what we're getting this season, and it's the first time we've had it in a while. So I think I would, I would, I would tack something onto that. I would say that you, you, what you, the least you can hope for is like uh, an entertain, an entertaining, if not wholly effective, style of football. And, you know, if, if you can go and watch your side, you know, play some nice stuff, but get beat by a club who's launching long balls into it, it doesn't really matter because you're getting to see some nice stuff. And if you, if you get, like, if, as long as you stay up and as long as you, like, occasionally have a tilt at a cup or a tilt at, like, finishing the top half or something like that, you don't really care because you've had a nice day out, you've watched some good football, you've... You've enjoyed it, and I think for the for that band of clubs that operate outside the top six or seven clubs, but above the the ones that are likely to be relegated, that's all they really want. Then they're not asking for like a, a, 
I don't think they do because you you look at how happy how happy Brighton fans are at the minute, and they're you know they're not safe from relegation, but they're happy because they're seeing some good football. Well, one Brighton are in the top flight, which is very rare for them as a club. Right, so yeah, that's, that's fair. So, and yes, are Brighton fans that happy? Would we be that happy? Really, if we were. I don't. I personally, I don't. I don't know how I would feel, but personally, I would rather be a Newcastle fan right now than a Brighton fan. If you take Mike Ashley out of mm. it mm. and that, that whole regime thing out of it, but in terms of, I would rather watch us get more results. In I think, my- in terms of entertainment this season as well, we've got Callum Wilson and Alan St. Maximin. We're better team to watch than we have been for a little while there's more moments of enjoyment I think rather than like before because of the lack because of the lack of decent players we had before it all had to be about being set up so rigidly to avoid defeat and it feels like we've moved beyond that a little bit I wish we had a better manager to do that but we don't but I still I like watching this this season to continue with basically the same conversation, but move things on a little. Paul M says, if the result continue, if, if the season continues in this vein, the odd good result in between crap performances, how content would you be assuming a mid to low table finish and beaten in the cups by the first decent side we face? An achievement by Bruce or bare minimum? It's a tricky it's one. I mean, the, like odd, the odd... The odd decent result thing is sort of slightly off. Like at the minute we've won four, drawn two, lost four, which is basically mid-table form. I don't mind that as long as we have a go in the Cups and have a few good games. It depends how decent the side we face and when. But then when have we been anything other than that as a club since that season we finished fifth? A 40% win percentage, you know, isn't bad. But yeah, it's not. It's nothing to get hugely excited about. And it's, But yeah, is it an achievement by Bruce? I would say it's somewhere between an achievement and the bare minimum. It's a little bit... Yeah. You said the bare, the bare minimum is survival, right? That's I think last, last season especially with the players he had was way above what we thought he was capable of. That doesn't mean he's necessarily the right person for the job or to take us forward. But I think it has to be acknowledged, we all thought we'd get relegated once Bruce was announced as manager. And if he manages to complete, this is, it's, it, we're only a quarter of the way through the season. If we finish somewhere similar to where we are now in the table, then that's two seasons and it's no longer luck. It's not been entertaining a lot of the time. And there've been some appalling performances, but you know, yeah, it's our second best start to a Premier League season in 10 years, which makes the negativity around it seem a bit jarring. I was well from the performances. In general, we start our seasons terribly. And I also think we all we usually have a terrible Christmas and New Year. Mm-hmm. Bruce, I think 
we'll turn we've... that around, but the rest of the season will be shit. I think um, in terms of... It, it, so the question asked was, like, would it be an achievement? And I, th- I think I agree with you that like it, it'll just be par. It'll just be... like For this season, Steve Bruce to get us into like the top half, I would say that's an achievement. Him to get us... 17th would be um, bare minimum, like you say. So anywhere between that, anywhere from 11th down, I'd just say it's like just kind of, yeah, we're, we're roughly that good regardless of who, I mean, not regardless of who the manager is. As long as the manager's not John Carver, that's roughly where we'll end up, somewhere in between us. So it's just par. It's just, okay. I'd much well, prefer to see... Okay. I'd, well, I'd much prefer... Go on. I was just going to finish and say, like, I'd much prefer to see like the 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 form replicated. So, like you say, forty percent win percentage or something like that. I'd much prefer to be like mid-table form with the performances that we saw against Crystal Palace and all the rest of it, like the, the other the other wins, that kind of performance. But losing some and all the rest of it, then I'd be like, you know what, Steve Bruce is doing an okay job, but like at the minute, there's too many bad performances. Like really bad performances. Just to like speak up for a major portion of the Newcastle fan base who probably already switched off. I I know that a lot of them feel that the Palace game was a really bad performance and we were lucky to win. I just just to speak up for them, I know that a lot of people think that we in no way deserve to win that. I thought it was a fairly even game. But, yeah, I think the thing is, our good performances are quite good. Our bad performances are terrible. So it's not yeah, like yeah. the form. If you look at the table, you would think we're playing amazingly half the time, playing shit half the time. But that's not the case. We're sort of, we're getting points above what the performances maybe suggest. But I, I also think under Ashley, we're not gonna. He's not gonna hire a manager that would necessarily do above par. It'd be much riskier to get rid of Bruce and trust in whoever Ashley would bring in instead. And par is not exciting, but if what Bruce is achieving is par, then he certainly doesn't deserve the absolute vitriol that he gets. Mm. If it's par, yes, you can say there are many managers out there that we would prefer to have. And yes, I know that the style of football comes into it. But with what he's doing as par, then he doesn't deserve to be labelled the worst manager in history, like no matter what he does. Anyway. I think as well, we're in we're within one game of a cup semi final, which there's not much big game to that. talk about. Big game that, isn't it? Now our um quarter-final against Brentford. When is that? I should know. Big game. Before Christmas, I think. Is it? Wow, we've got a good run-up to that game and then we've got a terrible Christmas and New Year. Well, I hope COVID doesn't put us out the cup. Oh, is it, it's our League Cup quarter-final is on. Oh, that's a terrible time. Our League Cup quarter-final is on Tuesday, the 22nd of December at 5.30. That's a disgrace. <laughs> a League Cup quarter-final at 5.30. That is the worst possible time for me. I've got family responsibilities then. I'm meant to be cooking dinner. 
putting my child to bed. This is up. This is a, this is a fucking disgrace. I'm livid with that. <laughs> that is. Oh, I think as well. That's that's a hell of a game for that's the sort of game we've not had for a while. I would it's much rather. Game. I'm happy Tuesday with a mid-table season with those kind of games in where there's not often as a Newcastle fan where you feel like there's actual big stakes riding on a game. Even when you're playing one of the bigger boys, you're like, well, we get a win, it's fine, but it's not. It's not going to have much mm. of an effect on our season. But we are. I mean, really, three games off Europe. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> I'm livid at that. Can we not at least get a 7.30 kickoff, a quarter final? Tell them. Tell the FA you've got uh, bath time. I'm going to use my pow- the power of my Twitter account to bring down the Carabao Cup. <laughs> um, uh, this We've got another question from uh, It's Me, Mike H., this question has already been pretty much answered, but how disappointed is Dave with the decisive two-goal victory away from home? Um, I think Dave, Dave was, was clearly happy more right. when we started. He was happy. He was really positive. Do you remember when we went about yeah. three years without a victory in London? Yeah. Mm. Uh, One-up gaming says... Didn't, didn't we break... Didn't... Go on, Dave. Yes, Dave. Didn't we break? Um, yeah, didn't we against Arsenal? Was that the game where um, Bellamy and somebody else got sent off? And I think Robert got two. Yeah, that was oh, a, I can't that was that a legendary ago. game. I was I remember yeah. that game uh, very well. Um, as I'm sure many people watching it will remember, I had just joined the Royal Shakespeare Company. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, <laughs> But I, I just, <laughs> I just moved to London, and I watched it in a Clapham pub, and we went on top of the table that night. That was an amazing game. It was brilliant, and I watched it surround. It was my first experience of watching football in a London pub surrounded by London football fans, and I immediately disliked them. And it was yeah. all Arsenal fans. They were just they kept on going about Nick. I was like, pub team. Pub team, a fucky pub team, pub team. It was like, well, we just went top of the Premier League. But, um, oh, yeah, that was a brilliant game. All right, we've got another tweet from uh, One Up Gaming. He says, I don't understand why some people seem to think the players we have are anything other than low Premier League standard. I mean, even Wilson would struggle to get into a top 10 team. Uh, oh. Got I have going, no, yeah. Callum Wilson is uh, an incredibly efficient striker. He is needed something like eight shots on target, uh, like nine or ten shots on target that scores eight goals. He has a better xG per game than everybody in the Premier League, bar Jamie Vardy. He is an incredibly efficient striker. He only needs like when you look at him against the Crystal Palace, he had like one decent chance in the 89th minute and he put it away he fuck off one up gaming he's a All very right. good player and we definitely get how, the top how 10 are we, how are we fuck able off. to get him then he's never gone to a big club has he how are no, we I think, I think we were very lucky to get him we were able to get him because of COVID when other teams didn't have the resources they otherwise would have and we pay 
we still, mm. even during COVID, will pay all the fee in one go. I, I mm. sort of, I'm, I'm not going to tell what I'm going to fuck off because he regular writes in questions. And I think he's a good contributor, Dave. But I do think Wilson is the exception in our squad that would get into some top half teams. I think our back four, none of them would. I think the midfield would. Oh yeah, back four, not back five, Dave. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I was agreeing with you about the back four, but Nebraska, um, Nebraska, Nebraska, yeah, Nebraska yeah, might true. on this season so far. Darlow might, um, Lewis and Almiron might. Lewis? Lewis, I don't think would not on any Newcastle. Not first, not Almiron, I don't think on form would, but I know what you mean. I think he's got the potential to be a top half player. Yeah, I mean, we I don't have a single John Joe Shelby definitely wouldn't. Be. <laughs> no, I don't think we have I, I, a I, single. I, I don't think we have a single top ten starter, except for maybe Nebraska. Nebraska and Wilson, I would say, are Wilson. Who, you, you could definitely see who in the top you, ten would Wilson start for ahead of um, Everton, Southampton, Leicester. I would say... Mm, he's not going to knock Jamie well, no. Vardy or Danny Ings He's not going to knock Jamie good. Vardy. He's not going to knock Calvert-Lewin. But he might... Um, I'd say maybe yeah, Calvert-Lewin. With, with Ings out, he might start for Southampton. And, yeah, it's a West fair Ham, point. I think, Southampton. We, I think we underestimate sometimes how strong the rest of the league is and overestimate how good our players are as a fan base. I think the, the reverse think is true fair. as well. I think I think you, you you look at I mean certainly West Ham. Callum Wilson would one hundred percent get in that side. Yeah, one hundred percent. West Ham a top ten team? Are they going to finish in the top ten? I don't know. Well. They're fifth. They're, you know they're, they're playing well at the minute. Assuming so he's saying top ten side in the end of the season sort of thing. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you'd start for West Ham. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then one more question from Andy Sheldon. He says, will we be doing any business in the January transfer window? Who do you see us selling and bringing in? Um, well, you never know with Mike, with a Mike Ashley transfer window, do you? But I know that Steve Bruce wants, feels that he's owed some more um, transfer kitty. Um, so there's a lot of areas we'd like to strengthen in. Where central midfield's the the absolute yeah central midfield's the thing, but we'd need to offload some players to get anyone in central midfield, really, wouldn't we? Mm. We just won't be that same problem on Football Manager 2021, but. Brought in a, this Italian lad because <laughs> <laughs> the players that would get us any money would we it would be like one of the long staffs or I mean could you see anybody a I don't think Bruce would want to lose Shelby and B I don't think anybody would give us a real like a, a decent amount of money for him we can't no. sell Hendrick. I can see Ashley saying to Bruce as well, you've got five central midfielders. You're not getting another. 
But I also agree that is the position needs strengthening. But I did think there were good green shoots against Palace, seeing that Shelby and Sean Longstaff can work quite well together. I wouldn't yeah, fancy them necessarily against about, a high-pressing team, but Shelby looked decent alongside him. For all, for all we've complained about Shelby, I think rightly, he did actually have a pretty good game against Palace. It seemed like there was the right balance between taking responsibility and um, defensively and attacking. Like He felt like he was I think that's the sort of game he's always going to do well in as well, though, where he's not got a ton of defending to do and has time on the ball. It's against teams like Southampton and Chelsea before where I think he would have been more of a liability. Right. Fair enough. So um, usually at this point, I would be asking for a prediction for our next game, but I don't really know when that's going to be. We could predict when our next game would be. uh, I think... Will probably be on Tuesday, uh, December twenty second at five. Twenty second. Grace. I'm so angry about that. I didn't realise that. I, 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 I didn't. Yeah. Just means I'm just going to have a have, have to have a really awkward conversation with my uh, common law wife <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about arrangements. Ah, oh well. Well, um, in the meantime, who knows when our next game is? Who knows when the next podcast is? Who knows when we're all going to get the vaccine? Who knows, you know, who knows if we all might get hit by a bus tomorrow? Who knows anything? All I know is that it's an absolute company of Dave Watson. Thanks, Fergus. Paul Doolan. Thank you. And you, the Newcastle NASA listener. Thank you very much. Goodbye. This is a playback media production. To get all the links to Newcastle Natter, go to newcastlepodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at Newcastle Natter. If you like this podcast, post a review and rate it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.